morning. Welcome to Stuttgart Harvest Church. I am glad that you're here. We're in week number three of a four-part series called Elijah. Tell you a little bit about me. Um, there was a time in my life where I was praying very specifically and saying, like, God, I, I really, would you do this for me? I, this is what I want to happen. This is what I would like. This is how I want it to play out, you know, part of my life. And so that's what I was praying. And God gave me some very specific, clear signs is like, mm, this really isn't what I want for you. What you're praying for is not what I want for you. That's not my best. That's not what I want. This is not going to happen. But I kept praying for it month after month. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed very, very persistently. Didn't give up. I was like, God, but, you know, really, this is what I really want. You know that country song um, about saying, God, thank you for unanswered prayers, right? Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, maybe so. Well, that's not how it went down for me. God, I think, just finally said, okay, Harley, you think you know what you want. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take down the barriers and let it happen, let you have it your way. And he did, and it was horrible. <laughs> it was bad. It was devastating, devastating. And because of that, and I knew, I knew that's what happened. And I knew it was my fault that it, it wasn't God's plan. And I knew. And I, I lived with that. And I knew that. But it made me very, very nervous to pray specifically again. Because it's like, oh, my goodness. That, look how that turned out. He actually gave it to me. And that's and so I was kind of nervous. Until about 2005, that's when I began church planting. And at that point, it was like I began to make a shift and I had done this some, but I began to make a big shift in the way I was praying. And I took some, uh, so many of those prayers that were focused on me and the way I wanted life to work and how I wanted it to turn out for me. And I began to place that on some lives around me and began to pray for God to change that life. Instead of God, do this for me and make this happen for me. And I began to pray, say, God, change that life. And I saw some amazing things happen and have seen that happen since I began church planting. And, and it was this, this shift that took place. But, it, but if you're like me, maybe you find yourself praying a lot of prayers that are like, um, God, I need this. I want this. Here's how I want it to turn out. And then please, pretty please, you know, looking for the right word to say to get God to do what you want him to do. But the sad thing about so many of those prayers, when we, when we pray those prayers, is that we don't realize, while we're praying that prayer, that God is far more interested in developing your and my character than he is in growing our comfort in this life. But if you were to look at our prayers, they don't reveal that. If we look at our prayers, it's as if God is only concerned about our comfort. Nothing about our character. That's at least the way it appears, right? Because of the way we choose to pray. And one of the reasons why I really feel that this is accurate, what I'm saying, is because we pray for God to help us with that, to do this, change this, make this happen so that it will make it easier for me or make it more comfortable. Let me give you an example. Usually my water bill is $49 every month, just like clockwork. $49 and change, $49 and change. Well, I had a problem last month. 
a little water leak, and so I got, got my water bill. wasn't $49 this month. $461. I gasped too, and probably made some other noises that were not so holy and godly. <laughs> my water bill this month, I, if I'm not careful, I'll find myself praying, Oh God, help me pay this bill. <laughs> But here's the thing. God is far more interested in my character than he is in my comfort. I have water. A large portion of our world does not even have clean water. And in fact, my water bill of $461 for this past month represents more money than the average family worldwide has in an entire year. And it's just my one-month water bill. In fact, most of the world lives on less than $2 a day. Now think with me. Don't you feel that those people worldwide are also praying to God? Now think with me. Is it possible that for far too long in my life I have prayed prayers that focused on me? When I believe that we have a lot of proof in God's word and as we look at the world around us that God is far more interested in developing our character than he is our comfort. But yet if we were to look at the prayers that we're praying it's as if we believe that God is more interested in my water bill or my water leak. <laughs> God, don't clog the toilets, just that one leak, wherever it is. But that's not the case, is it? I don't really don't believe that he's more interested in that. Now, please, if you were to take any one little segment out of this message and say, well, that's what Harley was teaching today, it is not this. I'm going to tell you what I am not teaching about. I am not telling you today that we shouldn't, that we should not pray about our things in our lives. Because I believe the Bible clearly teaches us that God is interested in every part of your life. In fact, if it interests you, it interests God. Why is that? Because he's a loving father. And as a loving father, even if it may not be a big deal on the world stage, if his child, if your child is a loving father, if your child is concerned about something, guess what? It concerns you too, doesn't it? And that's how God sees this. So he wants us to pray about everything. But just for today, listen with me. Maybe we can begin sharing our prayers. Maybe we can begin shifting some focus. Because I believe that God desires us to pray like God is a big God. And that's going to require me praying for more than my water leak. If I'm going to pray like God is a big God. Let me catch you up with where we've been the past few weeks. We're talking about a guy named Elijah. Old Testament, he's a prophet, which means God gave him a specific message. And God said, go tell this to the king. 
Sometimes he said, go tell this to the people. This specifically he said, go tell to the king. So here was the message. King Ahab, wicked king, had taken God's people and had led them off to worship all these other crazy, stupid gods. They were not gods at all. And so God was upset, obviously. So he said, Elijah, take him this message and say, it's not going to rain until you, the prophet, till you say that it's going to rain. And here's why that's going to happen, because you, king, have led all of these people away from God. And so that's what happened. And it did not rain. For three and a half years, there was not a single drop of rain. Three and a half years. The ground became hard and, and just solid and hard. You know, it just, it was a drought. Three and a half years. And then we talked about last week how God then said, okay, it's time for the showdown. And so he said, let's prove who God really is. Is it me or is it this phony God you've been worshiping? And so they had a showdown and they said, if the phony God is God, let him show up. If God is God, let him show up. Well, phony God didn't show up. Why? He's not a God at all. God showed up in a big way. And the people were like, oh, you are God. And so God now says, okay, we're going to kind of, it's time to end this drought. And so he gives Elijah permission to go ahead and pray for something big, like God is big. And here's how this begins to play out. This is really cool. So Elijah has a conversation with the king in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Ahab's this wicked king. Elijah said, go get something to eat and drink. For I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Well, he didn't hear anything because it was a pretty sunny day. And just like all three and a half years before that day, it was still a pretty sunny day and there was not a cloud in the sky. But he understood something. That our God is a big God. And God said, you know, it's time for this to go down. And so he trusted that this really was going to happen. So he tells the king, hey, king, it's going to rain. You better go get something to eat. And, well, he prays like God is a big God. He believes that God is a big God and can do big things. So Ahab bought it. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. But here's what happens in verse 42. So Ahab went to eat and drink. But that's not what Elijah did. It says, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed low to the ground, and he prayed with his face between his knees. He's praying to God like God is a big God. He's praying to God like he's something big, and he can do something big. But the first thing he does is he climbs high, and then he gets himself low in a perspective that says, I'm not God. You are God. I am not God. You can do big things, God. I can't do big things, but you have asked me to ask for something really big, and I can't do it, but I can ask because you've told me to ask. So he's getting ready to pray like God is a big God, but the first thing he does is physically he gets very low and very humble, places himself on the ground. Now listen to me. I am not giving you a step-by-step thing that says, well, if you do this, and if you next do this, and then say this, and ask this, and do this position, then God is going to answer your request and do what you ask him to do. Because that, 
if we if I said that, that would be turning God into this magic genie, that if we did the right thing and said the right thing in the right way, that he would appear and then have to do whatever we say because we followed this step, this step, this step. And so he has to do that. But that's not who God is. And he's not like that at all. And God's going to do what God's going to do. And we can't, there's not a thing that can unlock that and make it right. You may hear that on TV, but I'm just telling you it's not the reality. But I do know this. We have to be humble as we approach God. That we have to have the proper perspective of God. You are God. I am not. God, you are big and can do big things. I, I can't. But you have asked me to ask you to do big things. And I can do that. Somehow he got his spirit low. And in this perspective, he physically was low. But I'm not, I'm not telling you that you have to go and you have to have a physically low perspective and go bow down on the ground to ask God and to pray to God to ask him to do big things. I'm not saying you have to do that. But I'm saying your heart has to be humble. And your heart and spirit of your life has to be low. So here's a great question, and how do, we, how do we get humble? How do we get this that you're talking about, Harley, this humility? How do we do that? And that's a tough question. I don't have a great answer. But let me just point you into the direction of an example. And the best example that I can think of of humility is the example of Jesus himself, because the Bible teaches us that Jesus is God, 100% God. And he chose to leave the amazement of heaven where there's no pain, no tears, no suffering. He left that. He chose to leave that to come here on this earth where it is full of pain, full of tears, full of suffering. And that was a humbling experience. It took humility to leave the amazement of heaven and to come here to the earth. Jesus is perhaps the best example of, hum of humility that we could think of. He humbled himself and came here. In fact, all through scripture, he reminds us that he did not come here to be served as God. Even though he was God, he is God. He deserves us to serve him. He said, that's not why I came the first time. I didn't come for you to serve me. I came to serve you. And to give my life as a ransom for yours. That is humility. That is being humble. And not only that, not only was he just being humble, he allowed himself to be humiliated in order to accomplish that. He did not come here to be served, but to serve. And just perhaps part of us getting our heart right, if we're going to pray like God is big, part of getting our heart right might be to take our eyes off of ourselves, to lift them up as Jesus did, and to place them on somebody around us. And maybe as part of this experiment of praying like God is big, maybe we need to take our eyes off of ourselves and some of the me prayers that we've been praying and begin to pray for somebody else. 
that God would change their life in a big way. That God would change their heart in an amazing way. To pray like God is big. So Elijah tells Ahab, go get something to eat and drink. And that's what happens. He did. And then Elijah went, climbed the mountain. He got low. He humbled himself and he began to pray. He prayed for the rain. The very big thing that he could not do himself. He prayed and said, God, you can do it. You're a big God. I cannot. But you told me to ask for something big. You told me to ask for it. So here it is. It's time for rain. He humbled himself before God. You know, the book of James tells us in chapter 4, the last part of verse 6, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. About four verses later in verse 10, he says, Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. God loves humility so much that he practiced it himself. And he came to this earth and he died for us. And now maybe we can be humble before God and lift our eyes off of ourselves and place them on someone around us and pray like our God is big. Verse 43, after he prayed, then he said to his servant, go and look out now towards the sea. I've prayed for God to, to make it rain. Now I want you to go. Go tell me, go tell me if it's raining yet. Any signs of rain? He was praying like his God was big. Praying specifically. God, we need it now to rain. You said pray like you're big. You told me this is time to pray this prayer. I'm praying this prayer. I can't do it, but God, but you can. Praying specifically. God, pray like it's like you're big. Like you can do something big. The servant, the Bible says, went and looked. Then returned to Elijah and said... Um, Elijah didn't see a thing. Nothing out there. I went, I looked. Uh, it's not raining and there's no cloud in the sky. No sign of it. No sign of it. The Bible says seven times Elijah told him to go back and look. So Elijah prayed, sent him back out to look. Elijah, nothing out there. Bro, it's not going to rain. There's nothing in the sky. Send you back out there to look. Um, I hate to tell you this, dude. There's nothing. You're spinning your wheels here. Nothing's going on. Blue sky, the same way it was yesterday and for the last three and a half years, same thing. Sunny, no chance of rain. Elijah, though, was persistent. There's a difference here in the prayer that I was praying when I was persistent years ago. I was praying for God to do what I wanted Him to do, for God to do something for me, something I wanted to happen, and I wanted it to turn out this way. But Elijah was praying for something. He lifted his eyes off himself and was praying for something big out there. Not here in his own little world. It was out there. 
And he persistently continued to pray. He was humble. He got himself low and he took his eyes off himself and put them out there and specifically prayed, God, do something out there. And he was persistent about it because he was praying like God was big. And the Bible tells us in James chapter 5, verse 16, that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And that's how he was praying. Verse 44, finally, the seventh time, his servant told him this, well, Elijah, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand kind of rising up a little, maybe, out of the sea. I got just a glimmer of maybe something a little tiny could happen. But don't you realize that most things in your life and in the life of, of lives around us, they start out very small, but probably behind that very small, tiny thing that you begin to see, behind that small thing was a great big prayer. Prayers to a God who is big. Well, here they see this tiny little cloud, and from that was going to come torrential rain. Because Elijah was praying like God is big. If we want to pray like God is big, we're going to have to expect big things out of something very small. But our prayers are still going to be big. So once the servant saw that little tiny cloud rising up out of the sea, then Elijah shouted to the servant, Hurry and to Ahab and tell him to climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. All from that tiny little cloud. He said, Go home in a hurry or it's going to flash flood and you will not get home and you might get swept away by the water. All from that tiny little cloud, Elijah was showing gigantic trust and gigantic faith that God would do what he said he would do because he is a big, big God. Verse 45, and soon the sky was black with clouds, all from that little bitty tiny cloud. Soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm the first in three and a half years. And it would flash flood. The ground was hard. It was desert. It was arid. And so the water would hit it and it wouldn't soak in. Right now it would just roll off into this big flash flood. And so uh, a heavy wind brought this terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel in his chariot. He took off. He left at full speed, trying to beat the flash flood. He takes off for Jezreel. Now listen to what happens. This is so amazing. Then, verse 46, then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. Now listen, I'm going to read the rest of this, but I want to pause here for just a moment. God's probably not going to make you a superhero. Just probably not. And he could... Because we have a big God. If he chose, he could do that. He could make you Captain America. It could happen. But he's probably not. Probably not. But I do know this. 
when your life exhibits trust in a great big God, even when there's no real sign that we should have a big trust, but we trust in a great big God, He uses that to strengthen your life. Now, we may be humble and lifting our eyes from ourselves and placing them on someone else around us and praying like God is big, persistently and expectantly and specifically. And we're praying for them. But I know this. When we exhibit trust in a big God and we're even praying for them outside of our own little life and circle, God still does something in your life and strengthens you. But listen to what he does here for Elijah. So then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran. God gave him a superhero power for that afternoon. This is no joke. And he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot. And as I like to say, when I was growing up, Ahab was booking it. Which means Elijah was on foot booking it more. And he ran ahead of the chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Straight out of the movies. Now God gave him a superhero power for a moment. Probably not going to happen for you and me. But I know this. He will strengthen your life when you trust in him, a great big God. Now listen to how James summarizes this story. In James chapter 5, verse 17. Elijah was a human, as we are. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Verse 18. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Because Elijah prayed like God is big. And I believe he desires you and me to do the very same thing. And I'm just asking you to join me on an, on an experiment. You don't have to do this for the rest of your life. But would you just begin this experiment? I, I don't know how long it will take. I'm sure it's going to be more than this week. It may be for months. It could even be for years. But would you at least begin the process of this experiment and pray like God is big? And would you humble yourself and take your eyes off of yourself and place them on someone around you and begin this experiment with me to pray like God is big and to ask God to begin to change that person's life, to change their heart from the inside out? And if you'll do this, the letter A on the back of your connection card says that you'll have this conversation. You'll think about this this week and have this conversation with God. Here's the question. The letter A stands for, what specific non-me prayer do you need to bring before God? What can you pray about? Letter B is just related to this. I mean, they're just like this. They're related. Letter B says this. 
What is one non-me prayer you have been consistently praying? And if not, so don't let me lose you there. If there's not one, then who or what must you commit to praying for beginning this week? Will you join me and begin praying like God is big? Like he is not trapped by the circumstances of this life the way we are. Like he is not trapped. Like he is not asleep and not paying attention. Would you pray to him like he is big and he is aware? Would you humble yourself and lift your eyes off of yourself, place them on someone else and begin to pray that God would change their life? Would you pray specifically, consistently, expectantly, with humility? And when you trust God, He's going to even strengthen your life as well. I hope you'll join me this week in this journey. I don't know how long it will take you, but I pray that you will begin it this week. Let's pray. God, you tell us in the book of James that the earnest, the honest, the sincere, the consistent, the persistent prayers of a righteous person, a person who is trying to follow you, striving to follow you, that those prayers have great power and they produce wonderful results. God, would, we, would you help us as we begin this journey of praying to you like you are a big God. Praying to you like you are not trapped by the circumstances of life the way we are trapped. Praying to you like you, you are big and you want to do big things in this world around us. Would you join us in this journey because to get there, we're going to need your help, God. We need your spirit to begin to change us. To help us to lift our eyes from ourselves and to place them on someone around us. And to begin to pray for them. A big prayer that only a big God could answer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah. In his name we pray, amen.